Good morning, folks. It is Monday, May 22nd, 2023. Welcome to episode 371 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. And I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, Travis W. Travis w. Kenneth Roth, Protege987, Matthew Necci, Gary Sturgiotis, and so many more of the Simply Cyber community are going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my opinion, some might argue, expert analysis on the uh, story on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you operationalize it technically uh, in a tactical fashion this week or in a strategic fashion long-term looking at Q3. Also, if you're looking to break in the industry, you're going to get massive value here. Believe me, you will be asked in any job interview for information security. How do you stay current on the field? And this is just a fantastic answer. Again, I would argue uh, and I would take the side of the debate for the fact that this is actually providing value and can help you score a job. Um, and I'll stand up against anyone and, and have that argument. But before we get into it, I do want to say thank you and shout out to all of you for being here. Uh, 8 a.m. Eastern time. Some of you left coast folks. Hey, Dan Reardon. Some of you left coast folks getting up wicked early. Genuinely appreciate it. It does make the uh, the morning stream special. want to say thanks to the stream sponsors. Holla at barricade cyber solutions before we get started guys the sponsors uh enable me to to do all of this to deliver it free every single morning uh to the community at large and to be able to level up the studio level up the production value uh so genuinely appreciate the uh the sponsors barricade cyber solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. This is their website if you're watching on stream. Scroll to the bottom. Eric Taylor's calendar is right there. This thing's always kept up to date. You can get on a call with him at 10 a.m. Eastern Time today. Why would you want to do that? Believe me, if you are working for any business of any size and you don't have a plan for what happens if you get punched in the mouth um you know proverbially punched in the mouth you really should consider getting at least on the phone with eric and talk through what what could happen right what happens like can he work with your insurance provider can does it violate insurance terms does he need to get up into your uh into your cloud instance to be able to help uh, mitigate the damage done. I don't know, but if you don't have the phone call, you won't know. Want to say shout out and thanks also to Panopsi Security, Brandon Pool's company. Panopsi Security is eliminating fear and uncertainty from cyber by redefining how to implement operational services. They have a quantified risk assessment that is absolutely chef's kiss for coming in and swiftly looking at your people, your process, your technology stack, size of your business, what your spend is, what your um, what like the threat is to your particular industry, and then giving you a quantified, statistically based fact, factual um, 
assessment to tell you like what really at the end of the day the whole point of a quantified risk assessment is to tell you what your actual risk exposure is with numbers so you can have a like deliberate conversation with business leaders about what's your risk appetite when you ask someone what their risk appetite is this is just a tangent really quickly when you ask somebody what their risk appetite is they all say the same thing oh i don't have a big risk appetite like that is completely subjective that's completely unusable as far as operationalizing goes like I don't really have a big risk appetite. Really? You don't have MFA implemented in your environment. I would submit to you, sir, ma'am, that you have a giant risk appetite because you are making terrible decisions. You feel me? Now, that's not exactly how you approach the client, but my point is a quantified risk assessment can have you have you enabled to have more deliberate conversations. Like, I understand that you don't have a big risk appetite. Let's take a look at this absence of MFA and how this gives you a 85 to 95 percent chance of suffering a ransomware attack this year ransomware attacks can run up into the hundreds of thousands of dollars now about that risk appetite conversation perhaps we'd like to invest twenty thousand dollars on an mfa solution hmm hmm church lady all right also want to say shout out and thanks to xm cyber but more about them at the mid roll if you are live in chat say what's up because each episode of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast is worth half a CPE. So say holla or hashtag team live like Brandon S is dropping right there. Tim and George knows what's up. Tuki Vang, hashtag team live if you're live in chat. Got 140 beautiful people in here today. Hopefully we can double that by the end of the show. If you're watching on replay, hashtag team replay in the comments. Team replay are people too. And I recognize all of you. Love engaging with the team replay people. That faction of folks uh, dropping good knowledge. Had someone comment. Yes, exactly. BSEC had some people drop some interesting comments around the Montana TikTok ban. So uh, really appreciate the um, insights that uh, Team Replay is bringing um, to the show and to, to me, frankly. I mean, at the end of the day, I run the podcast, guys, but I'm still a practitioner. I still, you know, don't get everything right. And uh, it's everybody. Everybody can learn. If you are getting here late and double speeding up, hashtag team hybrid. If you're half the boogie because you have a meeting in, at uh, half past the hour and you're going to catch the rest of the show on replay, you're also team hybrid. So hashtag team hybrid. Let us know what's up. And then finally, my favorite. Hey, Jenny Housley. Great to see you. My favorite, uh, hashtag passive observer. Do you not, like, guys, I can't tell you how many people have reached out to me in DMs and said, I'm hashtag passive observer. I love it. I love the initiative. If you are shy, introverted, socially not comfortable saying what's up, see everybody um, networking and, and, and feel like, oh, I've got nothing to add. Uh, you know, I'll out myself as a fraud. Like whatever <clears throat> inner monologue you're having about not wanting to engage in a networking capacity with the community, push that to the side. Take your first step into the light of social networking. Hashtag passive observer. Believe me, you absolutely will be happy that you have begun your journey to build your professional network. Can't tell you when it'll realize its value, but believe me, you will get value from it. You'll also give into the value. Once you start the networking, it'll become easier and easier uh, and more natural for you. All right, guys, that's going to get us set up. So sit back, relax, and let's let the hot news wash over no 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 let's let the cool news wash over us in an awesome wave all right guys i'll see you at the mid-roll
From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Monday, May 22nd, 2023. HP rushes to fix bricked printers after faulty firmware update. HP is working to address a bad firmware update that has been bricking HP Office jet printers worldwide since it was released earlier this month. Affected customers report that their devices display blue screens with 83C0000B errors on the built-in touchscreen. Customers in the U.S., the U.K., Germany, the Netherlands, Australia, Poland and New Zealand and France have been posting complaints and reports. Since the buggy update seems to install automatically onto internet-connected printers, HP customers are advised to disable their device's internet connection and wait for a firmware update to fix the bricking issue. Hmm. All right, so this is terrible. HP printers, um, HP printers are getting um, bricked, basically. And I, I think I shared this before last week on stream. To brick a device is to basically turn it into a brick. It's a very literal infosec term. It means that device no longer becomes functional and its only utility is to hold a door open. So these printers are getting bricked. If you, It looks like it's uh, HP OfficeJet Pro 9020E. Um, I actually have an HP printer. <laughs> I'm kind of curious what version it is. Um, this is... This is one of those ones where the likelihood, let's do a little risk assessment here. The likelihood is low, but the impact is high because basically it, it, it ruins your printer. So, um, oh, actually it's, it's all of these uh, printer versions right here. Um, couple things, couple things here. One, this sucks, obviously. Somebody screwed up at uh, HP and... Um, released a firmware update that obviously wasn't tested properly. And we could talk about that in a second. The error you're getting is this. This 83C000B is basically a hex code, if I had to guess. Um, hex is just a, you know, it's a, oh God, what would you call it? It's like a numerical system. It's a base 16 system. It's the way, like bits and bytes are base two, but they can roll up into hex because, you know, 16, it can be, um, it's two to the fourth, right? So that's what hex is, okay? Just so we get that all out of the way. Hex goes from zero to F. Ooh, we got letters in our numbers, yes. Uh, so this this code doesn't really mean anything. It just, if you see this, you're already you're already pwned, right? Like the, the call's coming from inside the house. Now, uh, the quick fix here is uh, if you are running these things and you are an IT person, uh, they said disable the network connection. Most of these devices are wireless, so you'll have to go in and do that. You you might be able to put an ACL at the firewall to stop reaching out to HP um, if you if you know. Uh, chances are if you've got this thing set to uh, auto patch, auto fix, auto update, you're already hosed, unfortunately. Um, to the, like the final thing I'll say about this, Actually, I'll say two things about this because this has been on my, this has been bothering me for uh, a while. First of all, uh, remind me about change management, but but the 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 uh, the diatribe, if you will, the uh, haranguing that I'm about to drop to use a couple of my uh, GRE uh, or whatever test I had to take to get into grad school uh, vocabulary words. Um, HP 
Your printers are wicked annoying. You know what I want to do? I want to print and scan and be done. You know what you force me to do? Install a freaking all-in-one app on my phone and not allow and my workstation and not allow me to just print and scan without going through some cloud system. It is so irritating that HP has put in all of this bloat and like fat management. And I get it. I get it if I own a fleet of thousands of printers. But you know what? I don't. I own one printer. And to put all this bloke on my workstation and phone just so I can scan a document. And your scan app sucks too. I'm sorry. You're, if you've used an HP printer, you know what I'm talking about. It's not a good experience. I don't know who designed it, but it's terrible. All right? So HP, you burnt. Right? Okay. So now let's let's talk about that. Like I've been sitting on this. I've been sitting on this. Um like thorn or or thumbtack for like six months. I've had this HP printer since I had to scan stuff. And every time I have to use it, I'm wicked annoyed. Wick, and you know what? Sometimes I have to like reinstall the app. That's just how terrible your app is, HP. And just because you have like a corner on the market, you think you can be like that. Get out of here with that noise. Okay, second thing. Um, This sounds like they pushed a patch, a firmware update, right? And, and by the way, if you are living this HP nightmare that I am too, please hashtag preach and chat because I don't think I'm out of line here. I don't think I'm being ridiculous. HP, your experience is terrible. Okay. Thank you, Gershon Chapman. <laughs> Straight trash. Oh my God. So um, I, just one quick thing. Change management. A lot of people groan and bellyache with change management. Oh my God. Oh my God, I got to go to the change management meeting. Oh my God, another meeting. Oh my God, like we always just do the things. Oh my God, I already implemented it in production last week. This change management meeting is stupid. Okay, change management, 98% of the time, it is dumb and it feels like a waste of time. 2% of the time, you get massive bricked devices worldwide. Why? Because whoever pushed this patch, if you went through change management, would have to attest that they did test this patch and firmware in an environment across multiple devices, and they would communicate with help desk and several other people about when the patch is rolling out and how it's going to be pushed and all these other things. It's not impossible for something like this to get through change management. So change management is not a silver bullet, <clears throat> but bricking bricking devices i feel like that gets caught in qaqc right you like so to me this is clearly someone trying to get out um on friday you know that hey, we got the florida panthers game coming on at eight puck drop at eight gotta get home gotta get there just rubber stamp it the last 500 firmware updates haven't caused a problem rubber stamp rubber stamp and now you know you come into work on this thing brick city brick city way to go newark by repository under attack, user signups and package uploads temporarily halted. The maintainers of Python Package Index, PyPy, the official third-party software repository for the Python programming language, have temporarily disabled the ability for users to sign up and upload new packages until further notice. Quote, the volume of malicious users and malicious projects being created on the index in the past week has outpaced our ability to respond to it in a timely fashion, especially with multiple PyPy administrators on leave, end quote. This from the admins in a notice published on May 20th. No additional details about the nature of the malware and threat actors involved in publishing those rogue packages to PyPy were disclosed.
No. Okay, so obviously there's a run here on this. PyPy is like um, it's a it's a software repository of Python modules and libraries. Okay, so if you write Python code, um, then you you know what PyPy is. Chances are you've used it. Um, most people, in me me included, most people don't. I mean. You don't really write Python from scratch and do the whole thing. A lot of times you have an idea of what you want to do. I want to write a simple bot that pulls a news story and then posts it to or pulls a news story, runs it through some type of chat GPT so you know it makes it a different thing or it it it, it extracts key things from the story and then I want to post it automatically to my LinkedIn and Twitter account simultaneously. Okay? Like that's a use case and you're like, "All right, well the first thing I got to do is uh, pull the story Second thing is get this chat GPT. And now you're like, all right, let me go to like the repos and see if someone's already built functionality. Like I guarantee you somewhere there's a functionality on posting the LinkedIn using Python. And all you got to do is replace the, you know, commented out API key by uncommenting it and putting your API key in and you're off and running, right? So like this is the power and the speed and the flexibility and the utility of these libraries, right? They're like Legos, which, which honestly is why the picture looks like a Lego building block because that's what you do. You, 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 you don't have to write stuff. Okay. So that's, that's the dream. What's happening is it's open source software. So there's nothing stopping peckerheads from putting in malicious libraries, which by the way, they do. And they'll name it like something similar. Like we saw last week with the um, visual studio stuff, like a Dracula is a really popular dark mode kind of, uh, capability. And then the threat actors will install one called like the Dracula, right? And now people don't know which one is which, and you you get people installing malicious stuff. We have seen PyPy um, have malware in it before. And, you know, a lot of the, re um, a lot of, you know, good people in the security community will identify those libraries, uh, call them out, get them pulled, uh, broadcast to the larger audience that if you have it, you, you may be compromised, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the malicious users have basically gone ham on PyPy to the point where now they've denial of serviced it for new users and new projects until they can get their arms around it. If I had to guess, um, they do mention ChatGPT in here a little bit. If I had to guess the whole like AI rocket ship that we're going on a trip on our favorite rocket ship, you're welcome, parents that I just put that in your brain because it's in my brain now. Um, the chat GPT, the AI, the bards, like people are going bananas for AI type stuff. And I think that the malicious users are like, yep, like this is so incendiary hot that people are going to download and compromise themselves over and over. And they're going to put it in software that other people are going to download. Let's get in on this. So PyPy had to stop it. Exactly, VSEC. So anyways, uh, it sucks, but be mindful, guys. At the end of the day, if you are downloading code from anywhere, I know it's difficult to like analyze the code, but at least skim it. Python is an interpreted language, not a compiled language, which, which means you can always look at the source code, right? So do a quick skim. And if you don't know what you're doing, I mean, t I guess take your chances, but just know that legit repos like PyPy can have malware in it. Security flaw exposed in Samsung devices. 
CISA is now warning of active exploitation of a medium severity flaw affecting Samsung devices. Tracked as CVE 2023-2149. Score 4-4. Four, four. score of 4.4. Real quick, 4-4. Four, four. Like, wake me up when we get north of 7. Selected Samsung devices running Android versions 11, 12, and 13. Samsung described the issue as an information disclosure flaw that could be exploited by a privileged attacker to bypass address space layout randomization protections, a security technique designed to thwart memory corruption and code execution flaws by obscuring the location of an executable in a device's memory. Little else is known about how may be exploited, vulnerabilities in Samsung phones have been weaponized by commercial spyware vendors in the past to deploy malicious malware. All right. <clears throat> so Samsung devices, Samsung, we, we talked about this last week about like kind of like, I guess, sec second tier Android devices versus first tier Android devices, first tier being like Google Pixel, Samsung, potentially LG. Um, a new security flaw has been released. Guys, it's a 4.4, which is very low, like in, in the grand scheme of things. I don't know what version can can I get a fact check from somebody what version Android is is currently on um one of the things about Samsung that is part of the reason that the, their first tier um operating systems is cuz of their support you may have noticed on Android devices when you buy a, a Android device that is like you know, whatever, like five bucks or something off of a, uh, you buy it at like a convenience store or something like that. You may realize, and I, I hate, I hate, I get that it's bubblegummy and it's cute or whatever, but I hate, I hate Google's numbering convention for their OS versions, like KitKat and ice cream. And I get that it's like the letter of the alphabet, but it's, it's annoying for like a practitioner who's just trying to identify if it's what the current version is, right? Uh, 13 is the newest version. Thank you, BSEC. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, Malik. Uh, thanks, Reggie. So, okay, so basically you can't even upgrade out of impacted versions. So I'm sure Samsung's going to fix this. They typically can support, what, just to finish my thought, these, the lower tier uh, devices that use Android, they typically bake in their own, they basically fork fork the android os to put in their own kind of bloatware and, and garbage and then when um android releases an update if they were to implement the update into their fork they would have to rewrite the code that they built on top of it because it may not interface anymore especially with like a major version change so what ends up happening is they just don't upgrade so you may have you may have a device that's like android based or whatever and the newest version is 13 and you cannot upgrade past version nine. And you're like, why can't I upgrade? There's a newer version. What's going on? That's the reason why, because the vendor who, who forked the Android OS, cause it, they can, uh, doesn't want to put in the money and time and effort in order to retrofit the crap that they built on top of the current ver the, the, the version that they have to integrate and support the newest version. Okay. Samsung, uh, this, this flaw can exploit or by bypass ASLR, it, it, I'll just spend a minute. Like ASLR by itself, if you bypass it, isn't a compromise. ASLR basically, as they say, is address space layout randomization. When you fire up, um, I talked about dynamic link libraries in the past. There are 
uh, operating system function calls that you can call, right? If you need to allocate memory, if you need to start a net, <clears throat> open a network connection, if you need to um, write a file to disk, like whatever you need to do that the operating system would do, there's a function call that you can do and the function is in memory somewhere and the way that modern computers this is getting way down the rabbit hole technically speaking but just bear with me the way computers work is when they need to call um, a function they point they point to memory where that um, they like where that function is in memory and then they they point to it and then they execute the function, they pass the parameters or whatever, and then the response, the return of that function call gets fed back in and then you know, the, the instruction pointer goes back to wherever it was and continues executing, okay? If you, without ASLR, and you should look into this because DEP, D-E-P, which is data execution protection, and ASLR came out at the same time and it was literally a way to protect from buffer overflows and stuff like that because when a threat actor is able to control the execution of memory, like through a buffer overflow, if they know that at this memory address is the function call to open a network connection, and it's always there because that's where it always is, then they can just point to it every single time. So ASLR was designed to randomize where it gets put in memory every time um, it loads the, the library into memory, okay? There are ways around ASLR. You can look into ROP gadgets if you want, but that this is like in more advanced level stuff. The point is, if you're able to bypass ASLR, you're able to reach in and actually grab functions that you know exactly where they are, and then you can you know do whatever malicious stuff you want. So a 4-4, I, I poo-pooed it, right? I poo-pooed a 4-4, uh, but the thing is, if you got exploitation of this, um, it would be like almost, you'd almost be chaining it together in order to do something else later, right? Like all this is going to do is give you the ability to call a function in memory because you're going to know where it is, but you still need to get exploitation through a buffer overflow or some other attack, then be able to bypass ASLR, get the function call, and then execute um, arbitrary code on the box. Um, so anyways, long story short, uh, Samsung will probably fix this. You know, me, you, and, and normal people, uh, are probably not super uh, impacted by this. But if you are a VIP, if you're a CEO, uh, chances are you're using an Apple device anyways because you're a special. You're special. But if you are running Android, just be mindful of that. Plus, it, this is a, a nice little use case to talk about buffer overflows and ASLR. If you're interested, um, um, you can learn more about it. And this is a good case study. Alex Goodwin asks, asks about exploit chains being sort of standard today. Um, yeah, in some capacity, I would argue, no, not, not exactly. Cause a lot of times, Alex, I would say that like, you know, I just socially engineer you to detonate code on your box and then I own it like through, it's not even like exploitation. It's like you're executing code it, under the instance of your permissions. And then once I own you, then I start pulling down second stage payloads and stuff. When I think of first stage payload, second stage payload, persistent C2, I don't think of that as chain. To me, exploit chaining is like, you know, compromising in a technical exploitation, then doing privilege escalation through another technical exploitation, and then, you know, going from there. Asus routers knocked offline worldwide by bad security update. 
ASUS has apologized to its customers for a server-side security maintenance error that has caused a wide range of impacted router models to lose network connectivity. The problem has been extensively reported on social media and discussion platforms since May 16th, with people appearing puzzled by the simultaneous connectivity issues on multiple ASUS routers and others complaining about the lack of communication from the vendor's side. The company has explained in a statement that the problem was introduced by an error in the configuration of a server settings file. All right. <laughs> oh, boy. So it looks like HP and Asus uh, subscribe to the same newsletter. Um, or, you know, they're going to be at a support group together uh, on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, so if you run an Asus, chances are you know. It looks like they bollocks this pretty badly. There's not much to say. It doesn't look like it is a um, cybersecurity attack or issue. It, it looks like it's a maintenance issue. There was an error in the configuration file. Guys, you know what I would love to tell you about? Uh, change management. Now, all you need to do is rewind the video to the HP section after I flip out about how crappy their interface, uh, their user experience is, and listen to my change management thing because it's literally the same, the same story. That like this, this is avoidable. It's just unfortunately, it's it's slow, it's basic, it's boring, it's it's not sexy in any capacity. But doing change management. Uh, and testing firmware updates on multiple devices is how you should do it. That's it. That's the end of the day. And by the way, um, I just want to point out, this is like part of the reason why, you know, like people, people, um, okay, so I'm, I'm actually kind of pivoting what I'm about to argue about, but like people get all geeked up and frothed at the mouth about like new tech or like new capabilities or new whatever. Like, oh, it's like so easy. Like, let's just go buy like, oh, there's like a cool new thing. Let's get it. Oh, I bought all this new tech. Let's do it. And I'm, I'm guilty too, guys. I just bought, I just bought a brand new laptop um, that's got, you know, it's maxed out on the hardware side so I can have a mobile, a mobile studio equivalent that can support what Simply Cyber needs on the road, okay? So, because I'm going to be doing a lot more on the road um, this summer and in Vegas and stuff, right? So, but I, I didn't. It's a Windows machine, okay? So I've got that, but I didn't, I, I didn't like go, okay, like let me check my tech stack, let me check my homogeneous um, technology stack to make sure I'm doing all this. So I'm guilty too. But like, anytime you add more tech or more whatever into your environment. You need to understand that it's a scalar variable of the amount of testing and QAQC and touch points and communication that needs to happen. You're adding, I don't want to call it technical debt, but you're adding load to your overall ecosystem. And unless you are reckless, you have to account for it when you're doing things like upgrades or integrations or mergers or you know, whatever, like moving to the cloud, like whatever it is, you need to take account for it. And you get this tech sprawl, which no one really thinks about when they're doing it because they're all geeked up and ready to go with whatever the new tech thing is. And, you know, you have to be the wet blanket, the sand in the ba bathing suit to say, whoa, 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 like, it's great. But like, who's going to support this? Who has, who has the knowledge base to understand how to support this? Oh, the vendor will do it. How long will the vendor do it? Six months. Six months. So are we going to throw this out in six months? No, we're probably going to use it long past its life, uh, life cycle. Like probably like, like 
five years past its life cycle. Cool. So again, who's going to support this? Ah, you're such a wet blanket, Jerry. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, but that's why I get paid to be here. Okay. So anyways, tech stack, Asus, routers down, terrible moves. Let's do the mid roll. And now a word from our sponsor, Sunri Security. Did you know that 81% of breaches are due to compromised identities? It's a sobering statistic and one that enterprise organizations cannot afford to ignore. Sunri Security has made a name for itself by securing enterprise clouds from the inside out, securing every identity, access, and permission in the cloud. Download Sunri Security's new CIEM Buyer's Guide to learn more about fortifying your cloud from the inside out at sunrisecurity.com. That's S-O-N-R-A-I security.com. All right. It is the mid-roll. My new machine is a Lenovo Legion. I will uh, spec it out and show you guys maybe during the uh, mid-roll. I mean, uh, jaw jacking if you want. We got a lot to cover in the jaw jacking, but it is the mid-roll, which means only one thing. I want to thank all of you for being here. Genuinely appreciate the support from the community to allow Simply Cyber to uh, to deliver what it does uh, to the community. Uh, do me a favor, hit the like button for a second. It goes it goes a long way. Basically, by hitting the like button, you're helping other people who have not found Simply Cyber discover it. We go live every single morning. We go live. Omni Investments up in here. Holy mackerel! It's been a minute been a minute all right hit the like button it goes a long way to helping other people who are interested in cybersecurity discover cybersecurity i look at the metrics youtube tells me who finds it by browsing and coming over it's the majority of people who find simply cyber you yourself may have stumbled in here because the day before somebody hit hit the like button okay so do that thanks to the stream sponsors barricade and cyber i also want to say thanks to xm cyber you guys know them xm cyber Exposure management company, they're great. Organizations are overwhelmed with thousands of exposures across their cloud and on-prem environments on a monthly basis. So efficiently reducing risk is almost impossible. You know what you can do though? Discover the most critical threats and practical tips on how to overcome remediation fatigue, which is a real thing, ask me at jawjacking, with a new approach to efficiently reducing risk with XM Cyber's 2023 State of Exposure Management Report. Go ahead. There's a link in the description below. I think it's like a bit.ly link or something. Do me a solid, click on it, check out that report, see what is, I guess I'd be curious what people find the most interesting uh, regarding that report. There's tons and tons of juicy tidbits in there worth investigating. Guys, I wanna uh, let you know, here's a bit of an update. The Simply Cyber newsletter, it did not go out yesterday. I'm going to put a pause on the Simply Cyber newsletter um, just like I put a pause on making produced videos for a little while and then it came back. Uh, my bandwidth, I spent 10 hours working on the shed this weekend. I, um, you know, family, friends, like I, like it's, 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 it's difficult. It's difficult with all the initiatives I have going on. So, um, I will put a pause on the newsletter. Stay tuned. It will come back. I promise you. I just need to figure out a, a better way to, uh, support it in a way that works. Okay. Simply Cyber Community Challenge, always a great initiative. Thanks, Jenny Housley, for uh, continuing to uh, help facilitate that. On Friday, we had um, Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen on Friday, take the baton. So hopefully Chris Hansen's in chat and can tag someone. Guys, go on LinkedIn, search for the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Um, 
hashtag and connect with those people um, in chat. Okay? If you are tagged with the uh, baton, please go online and post your uh, story, your cyber story. Share it. Open up. Let the community know. Build your professional network today. Don't wait. Don't waste time. I'm telling you, it is wonderful. And believe me, so get in on it, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Guys, every single Monday, um, every single Monday is Callan's Art of the Week. My son, one of my sons, Callan, uh, very artistic, very creative kid, love him to death. Um, he does he does an art project and shares it with the community. Today is no, no different. Callan and Grayson actually did a uh, birdhouse project, and this was Callan's. So Callan making it bright and lovely for the birds in our in our yard in our neighborhood to have not just a good home to live in but a bright happy home so thank you very much Callan, for uh for putting your vibes into a birdhouse format very nice christopher k hall is tagged i love it chris chris k hall we're looking for you to giddy up on it all right, guys, let's get back into the news. We'll see you at the mid-roll. I mean, we'll see you at the end, right? Food distributor Cisco says cyber attack potentially leaked 125,000 social security numbers. A cyber attack on Cisco, spelled S-Y-S-C-O, one of the world's largest food distributors, gave hackers access to the sensitive personal information of more than 125,000 current and former employees. In documents filed with state regulators in Maine, the company said an incident in January leaked troves of sensitive employee information. Hackers spent nearly three months in the company's systems before IT teams discovered the incident and were only discovered on March the 5th. The Houston-based company did not say whether it was a ransomware attack or what group was involved. Okay, a couple things. One, what's up, Houston? I think that's B-Sex stomping grounds. Second of all, Cisco, massive company. I don't think that this was a ransomware attack, right? Even though ransomware dominates the landscape, these uh, threat actors were in the company's systems for three months and did exfil data uh, on 125,000 current and former employees. I mean, I don't know. Like, again, holler at me, uh, SOC analysts, IR people. Uh, like uh, Eric Taylor, if you're in chat, Brandon Poole, if you're in chat, um, here's my thing. Like, I, I don't think a, a ransomware threat actor is going to sit for three months, right? I would say like, like maybe three to four weeks to kind of survey the uh, environment. They're going to realize that they have a $68 billion company, right? With Cisco um, and then go after it. So I, I don't know. I, I really think that it wouldn't be a ransomware incident. I don't know what these um, threat actors' goal was or what they uh, were trying to achieve. Cisco does do food uh, delivery, food distribution. So you could argue you could argue that they were looking, usually it's to restaurants and stuff, um, but you could argue that perhaps they were like teeing up an attack on uh, supply chain and uh, critical infrastructure. If I, if I'm, I mean, I'm, that's me like, like really stretching, like Mr. Elastic or Mr. Mr. Fantastic levels of stretch. Uh, but, you know, I guess good on, um, like Cisco's lucky they didn't get ransomware. That would have been terrible. 
Um, and they say they suffered no impact as a result. Yeah. Oh, operational systems. I was going to say suffered no impact. Yeah, 125,000 people um, are going to get a letter saying that security and privacy is very serious to you and that uh, enjoy your identity theft protection. So nothing really to see here, you know, basically. Researchers tie Fin7 cybercrime family to CLOP ransomware. Long-running cybercrime cartel Fin7, which has made use of ransomware variants developed by groups including Reveal and Maze, has added another strain to its arsenal. Researchers from Microsoft's security team said they saw the group deploying the CLOP ransomware in April, its first ransomware campaign after a long period of inactivity that began in late 2021. Microsoft said Fin7, which it calls Sangria Tempest in its new naming convention, was spotted deploying several different tools, giving it a foothold in victim systems before moving laterally within a network and deploying the CLOP ransomware. Oh, yeah. Sangria Tempest, not to be confused with Flamin' Donkey, right? Okay, so a couple things here, guys. One, Fin7 is uber legit, okay? Uber legit. Now, I've like just seeing the title of this story gives me pause, okay? A couple things I'm going to I'm going to share with you here. One, you should understand Fin7, uh see how it says long-running cybercrime cartel? Fin7 is legit. They are OG, uh if I'm not mistaken, they're Eastern European, potentially Russian or Romanian. They were hitting banks and um like um getting access to like bank accounts and stealing the money. Like they were like straight old school uh, bank robbers and they were, they were busting their butt. This is like a, like get around the campfire youngins. They were busting their hump and then ransomware exploded. And they like looked across the hall at like the ransomware threat actors. And they're like, you're barely working. You don't know what you're doing and you're making more money than us. So like Finn seven, like, packed an overnight bag and went across the hall and started turning into ransomware threat actors. And they were very successful at it. And that's like Fin7's whole thing, which is why there was like a decline in like bank related type attacks because Fin7 changed their thing. Now they're saying that they believe that Fin7 is tied to Klopp ransomware. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I thought Klopp was potentially a um, ransomware as a service thing. If they are tied to Klopp, that is a concern, and Klopp should be elevated in your um, in your threat model because Fin7 is uber legit. The one thing I would say, though, is it's a little confusing to me because I feel like Klopp, there's no indication I can find previously tying Klopp to Fin7, so it seems like a new relationship. This would make sense, okay? So it's potential that Fin7 is like, you know, maybe they met Klopp at um, like a cyber criminal, um, you know, conference, like evil, evil corp type conference or whatever. And they decided to like uh, pair up and collaborate and do like a do a collaboration. Like, you know, when <laughs> like InfoSec, Pat and Simply Cyber getting together and doing a collab, maybe Fin7 and Klopp is doing that. The only reason I would say that is because if I'm not mistaken, Klopp ransomware is the ransomware gang that hit... Um, like they had two major issues. Like they hit like Royal Mail in uh, the UK and it wasn't like the big Royal Mail. It was like a small little, like small business Royal Mail, like different name kind of. And they tried to like extort them for millions of dollars. And they're like, bro, like you've got the wrong, like you, you literally 
have the wrong company. Like Google, Google the company that you're hitting and then Google the company you think you're hitting and you'll see that we're two different businesses. Also, Klopp Ransomware, I believe, hit like a Scottish water department again, thinking that they hit someone else. So like, kind of like I've seen Klopp Ransomware a few times do sloppy work. And Fin7 to me is like a McLaren, like like or a Lamborghini, right? If if you're a TCM fan, right? It's it's like smooth and slick and well executed and like a precision execution. And Klopp is like not. So uh, I was kind of surprised to see that. But if they are pairing up, Klopp may have the infrastructure. Fin7 has the brains. Uh, we'll see. Um, we'll see what's up. I might be getting them confused too. Anyways. I, I guess the real the real concern here is if we're seeing threat actor groups pair up, that's not good for us as defenders because they're going to choose the best of best of their own capabilities and pair them. So you're gonna get a more like hybrid, you know, higher effective, more devastating threat actors. And now last week in ransomware. A busy week in ransomware saw the emergence of new ransomware groups Cactus, Akira, and RA group operations. Another relative newcomer named Abyss hit the defense company L3 Harris. We also learned about Malice Locker, a ransomware operation that has been targeting Zimbra servers since March with the unusual extortion tactic of demanding victims donate to an approved charity to receive a decryptor and prevent a data leak. Also last week, a joint FBI and CISA report confirmed that the Bianlian ransomware operation has switched to extortion-only attacks after Avast released a decryptor. Other events of note last week include UK outsourcing company Capita has started to confirm to its customers that they should assume that data has been stolen in last month's incident. Farmerica disclosed that a money message ransomware attack exposed the data for 5.8 million patients. French tech company Lacroix announced getting hit by a ransomware attack on May 12th. ScanSource finally confirmed that its multi-day outage was due to a ransomware attack. Lockbit ransomware claimed an attack on the pharmaceutical network PharmaLink. And Dish Networks paid a ransom as they say they confirmed the attackers deleted all stolen data from February's attack. Just to remind. All right. So massive ransomware roundup as usual, y'all. Um, you know, <laughs> where's my Oprah? Uh, as usual, all you get a ransomware, you get a ransomware, you get a ransomware. Um, there's, there's something here for everybody. So if you work in the defense industry, L3 Harris, if you work in um, media, we got Dish Network paying off their stuff. Uh, you work in pharma, we got you covered, right? So whatever, like pick and choose whatever ransomware attack you want to support whatever your agenda is, your initiatives, get money, get budget, um, defend, drive home a point that this is like a legit thing. Uh, it is worth noting beyond Len ransomware, who I have no idea. I've never heard of that ransomware threat actor. Could be the same as Flaming Donkey. Um, Avast has released a decryptor. So if you are unfortunately walking into the office this morning and seeing files with the extension .beyondlen, know that there is a decryptor out there. Um, interesting, Dish Networks, who, you know, they were down pretty heavily recently, went ahead and paid the ransom. Uh, they confirmed the attackers deleted the data. So there's a little bit of, like, how do you confirm that? Um, unless you're, you, you're, like, baking it on the integrity of the criminal. But, you know, 
this uh, Dish Network paid a ransom. I do find it interesting um, that uh, I know like federal or government entities in the U.S. cannot pay ransoms. Uh, private businesses still can. Dish Network, man, they got they got hosed. So not good, not good. All right, looks like we are just at time. Let me go ahead and start this. Do, do, do. All right, apologies to NCC Group and Base Case for going a couple minutes over, but we had a pretty good stream today. If you were here just for the news, thank you very much for being here. We will be back tomorrow at 8 a.m. to deliver another hot brief on the Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. Be sure to tell a friend. <laughs> if you didn't like the show, tell me. If you did like the show, tell a friend and have them come tomorrow. Tomorrow is bring your bring a buddy Tuesday. All right, guys. Uh, real quick, too, though, before you go, I got a ton of stuff going on this week that I wanted to share with you. Uh, on Thursday, Gary Ruddle, he is a uh, Englishman. He's a CTI analyst. He's also OSCP. And even though he's a cyber threat intel individual, he actually went after and got smart on OFSEC and got the OSCP to better enable himself to be a better CTI. So we're going to talk about the true value of cyber threat intelligence and really look at it uh, at ways that it can be wep um, utilized that go beyond the obvious. Okay. Also, uh, today at 4 p.m., it is uh, it is Monday, so I'll be playing Haiku Pro. The stream has not been created yet because, you know, selfish me um, didn't work uh, all weekend. So look for this at 4 o'clock later today. It'll be a good time. It's always a playthrough with me, so we'll be able to jump in a range together. I'll break down what's going on, and uh, hopefully you can learn some stuff or at a minimum have a good time. Uh, also, um, I forget when this is. Maybe tomorrow. Um, yeah, tomorrow at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, I'll be on a panel talking about the... Uh, game-based training on preparing cybersecurity workforce. If you're interested, this is through Haiku. I'll drop a link in chat. If you want to come out and hang out, uh, it'll be a good time. Also, this is, uh, I'll drop a link to the Gary Ruddle interview. And uh, also, and I like this one too, on, I think this is Thursday. I think this is Thursday. Uh, yeah, Thursday, May 25th, 2 p.m. I'll be um, I'll be uh, kind of a featured speaker. Me and Sophie Goodwin over at ACI Learning will be doing a live webinar. I'll be talking about really kind of like basically um, there's a lot of like verbiage here, but basically what I'm going to be doing is explaining why GRC is like an explosive field and why why businesses are going all in on GRC analysts. And uh, spoiler alert, it has to do with the current state of uh, our market, the current state of insurance premiums, the current state of businesses getting smacked in the face with ransomware, not understanding what it is, what to do, how to build a program, all the things. I'll be talking about all that. So it's basically a really big GRC uh, briefing. Jerry, you got to stop sleeping if you're going to take, keep taking personal time. I know, right? All right, guys. So that's all the uh, updates and alerts. Um, let's do some jaw jacking guys. I got great news. Um, first of all, cybersecuritycentral.org. If you don't know, now, you know, uh, great resource. Let me, let me share this in chat too. 
I love the work that all of them are doing over there. Sean Washington, James Driscoll, um, obviously Kimberly McKnight, all up in there. Go check out Cybersecurity Central. Great resources. You'll love it. Believe me. Link link in chat, okay? Guys, this weekend, um, I painted, I primed all the walls and the ceiling in the uh, Buffer Osier Flow um, studio presented by uh, Red Bull, uh, sponsored by Palmetto Exterminators. We're, we're working on the uh, licensing rights here. Uh, primed the walls and ceiling. HVAC is installed and running. Painted the ceiling white. Painted the walls uh, light gray. Laid in un like a subfloor underlayment, um, and then put the um, the floor in there to acclimate to the atmosphere in there for 24 hours. And Mrs. Osier is uh, laying a floor today, so we're gonna be we're gonna be uh, like pretty close, right? We still have to after the floor goes in, we have to do the uh, molding on the floor and around the the doors and windows. But after that, I think that that is. Uh, good. We could start putting gear, like gear, in there. So that's what's going on. In fact, I mean, I can't really show you. I could try to show you. It's always janky when I try to show you on on stream. My phone. Let me see. So that, that, I know it's hard to see, but that was the floor and then the walls and then all that stuff. So what insulation did you go with in the walls? R13 on the walls, R30 on the ceiling. So the aluminum foil is, yeah, no. So the, uh, the, the underfloorment is uh, cushion and sound absorption. And one side has got that like foil. And that's basically a moisture barrier, uh, to, you know, obviously to prevent moisture uh coming in yeah paul good to see you paul yeah i mean the problem is guys the problem is i i've i've, I've come to accept this we're going to get it fully built out and then not move in because we're going to go on a five week uh um you know remote i'm going to be remote for five weeks um, so there's no point in moving my entire studio into the facility and then immediately leave for five weeks, right? It, it's too much of a, it's a risk, right? Like my whole studio is, is not cheap at this point. Like this is a fairly expensive setup. So I don't want to stick it <laughs> in the shed and leave. So, uh, but when we get back, we'll be all up in there. Yeah, Eric the Grey. What's up, Russell? Good to see you. Nice, dude. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. I've been talking to Russell for years. Um, years, man. And uh, super happy for you, uh, Russell. Watching your career trajectory, it's been it's been inspiring and, and nothing short of awesome. So, yeah, hold on one second. Also, I wanted to show you guys. Uh, so this is the, the this is the brain of the uh, mobile studio. It's um, 
it's good. It's a Lenovo. It's it's pretty legit. It's got um, I don't know what model it is honestly, but it's got um, where is it? Yeah, it's got an Nvidia 3080 card in it, which is you know plenty. And then it's it's maxed out on RAM. I think it's got 32 gigs of RAM. And, um, you know, a terabyte hard drive, but that doesn't even matter. So anyways, the point is the mobile studio, I I'm, um, thanks Eric. The mobile studio is going to, I'm building it identical to my existing studio, right? Even though I have this massive computer over here, like if you look at the specs on it, that laptop is very similar. In fact, I, I almost thought like, why didn't I just buy this laptop in the first place and avoid having this massive, but I digress. So anyways, the goal is to have the same mixer, the same audio, the same everything. Like the only thing that should change is kind of the background. So we'll see what's going on. Have a great day, Carmen San Diego. No, I haven't heard of Dark Burt. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, the shed will have security. Believe me. Believe that. Uh, Taylor McDonald got through round two of interviews for SOC and was given candidate exercise to complete and turn in this week. Oh, that's awesome, Taylor. Hopefully you crush it. Um... You probably, I probably will hear the sound of fans and stuff like that. That's a good point. Adam V loves, Adam V loves himself some yeets. I'm just going to share this on stream. <laughs> There's a studio security. I love it. Thanks, Kimberly. Or it's, who was it? Was it Kimberly? Yeah, it was Kimberly Joel. All right, everybody's submitting uh, all sorts of. These are security options for the uh, bush, buffer Osher flow shed. Oh, that didn't work. Sorry. All right. Oh, oh that's a bummer, uh, William Welch. Sorry to hear that. Show them the charger, though. Oh, Samantha. Yeah, the charger for the Lenovo is obnoxious. It's obnoxious. It weighs like four pounds. It weighs more than the laptop, I think. And you know what? You know what really grinds my gears? Okay, just really quickly. The charger for the Lenovo has like a one-of-a-kind um, interface. Or, you know, like like the, the what the plug looks like. It's its, its own standard, which is super obnoxious. Like, Why? why we have standards we have options just use them all right christopher bryant good to see you take care have a good day so my the shed the buffer osier flow studio uh is hardwired in fact the uh, the electrician's coming today to finish everything's wired he's just gotta wire it on the other side back into my house yeah, I'm not even going to show you. I'm not even going to show you the power supply for the Lenovo because I don't have a back brace on right now to go pick it up. 
Dang, Winter Joel coming in strong. Nice, Samantha S starting in two weeks. I love it. Samantha S gets a a horn too. Later, later, Dem and Shay Galloway. Yeah, so I'll, I'll be hardwired in, but I, you know, obviously I'm gonna have wireless in the studio. All right, guys, it's nine o'clock. I'm gonna boogie out of here. Thank you all so very much. I hope to see some of you at 4 p.m. later today. If not, as usual, love catching you on the Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. My name's Gerald. This has been May 22nd, episode 371. We're straight crushing it, y'all. Go out, do good things. We'll see you in a little bit. Take care, everybody. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one. One.